0: Hello, and welcome to the Tech Disruptors Podcast. In this podcast series, we talk with CEOs and management teams about their views on disruption and how it's driving their decision-making and strategy. My name is Mandeep, and with me today is Kimberly Bloomston, SVP of Product at LiveRamp. Kimberly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank
2: you for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Great, and I also want to mention I'm joined by my colleague uh, Gita Ranganathan, who leads the media and ad tech space for us here at Bloomberg Intelligence. So uh, both of us will be co-hosting the episode. Um, Kimberly, uh, just wanted to uh, you know get started talking about the uh, ad environment. Given we are recording this in October 2023, and uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, you know what you're seeing out there in terms of ad spending? And uh, I think that will be a good way to start.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's certainly top of mind, I think, with our customers and certainly within the LiveRamp building. Um, Ad spend itself um, is getting some pressure, as we all know, um, as it relates to the economic uh, environment. And so what we're seeing is a deeper focus and requirement for Um, advertisers and marketers to really think about the ROI on their spend and ensure that they have the right tools at their fingertips to measure their spend and evaluate the impact that that spend has, whether that's in a specific channel or whether that's um, just targeting a specific audience for various use cases like prospecting or even increasing customer lifetime value.
0: But for the longest time we've been hearing, you know, digital ads is a secular growth industry. And, uh, you know, the drivers are clearly a multi-year in terms of moving from traditional media to digital ads. Curious to hear from your perspective, you know, where in the stack LiveRamp uh, operates in, and also, uh, if you have any comments on how you see programmatic ad buying and selling will evolve uh, given the recent dynamics.
2: Yeah, certainly the recent dynamics with signal losses playing a dramatic impact um, in the digital space, but we're not seeing that so much on the video and display side. And we're seeing a lot more needs to leverage the tools that were previously at marketers' fingertips within that sort of connected TV space, so linear as well. And um, in doing so, they need to have very personalized experiences, which is difficult in light of the reality that many of us share devices at home. And we have various other people in our household um, that are, are using that device. And so getting personal to me um, is sometimes difficult if I am not, for instance, the kind of household wallet wallet owner. Um, that being said, LiveRamp really plays across the the, the entirety of the ecosystem. Um, we support, um, you know, video and display. We support programmatic, and of course, we continue to support um, some some more traditional marketing use cases um, where customers can leverage known identifiers like my email address or my phone number uh, to reach me, but then have that complete picture of the results or the ROI on that. Uh, The only other thing I would add there is that um, programmatic will change. Uh, We all kind of know that and see that on the horizon. Um, And we've already seen kind of cookies diminish over time and mobile IDs diminish over time. Um across various platforms from iOS and Android to Safari, Firefox, and Edge, and uh, kind of hitting that last milestone um, with with Chrome.
0: Why don't we uh, switch the whole uh, ecosystem? You know, so clearly vault gardens uh, such as you know Google, Facebook, they, operate across the ad ecosystem and, you know, the supply side, demand side, they have uh, a self-serve advertising platforms. And I, I guess from your perspective, what is it that differentiates you from, uh, I, I guess, and helps you compete with the wall gardens uh, given, you know, uh, they have a lot more, Uh, wherewithal when it comes to uh, the technology side of things.
2: Yeah, it's a complex answer. And I think that that's the theme of the ad tech ecosystem. It's nothing super simple. Um, And that's primarily because we don't see ourselves as directly competitive to the walled gardens. But we also understand and appreciate that marketers are not always getting the value that they need from those walled gardens. Um, And a lot of that has to do with um, transparency and um, the ability to really understand the truth of what happened. And that has been kind of fractured for a while, whereby if I spend on Meta's platform, as an example, it's difficult for me to get data back into my own measurement solutions to look at the performance. However, of course, meta provides that as a core capability. But what we're seeing more and more from marketers is that they don't want meta to grade their own homework. They want the access to their data and their impressions and their spend to really get a holistic picture of who they're targeting when and what are those true kind of responses that they're seeing there. And so when we think about how we best Um, partner with Walled Gardens, it is enabling them to um, open up kind of their data to marketers, but do so in a deeply privacy centric way where they don't have to risk their IP. They don't have to risk um, consumer data being visible to individuals. And so it's really doing so ultimately within a clean room environment.
0: Okay, really quick on the IP's point. Uh, so what is IP in this business, if I can? And you don't have to give specifics, but in general, in the ad tech space, what makes for a good IP?
2: Such a great question. Yeah, I think when, when, when platforms, walled gardens, and even marketers think about IP, they're all competing for the same consumer dollars, and so the IP for them is what are the models, what are the kind of analytics that they're running to identify where best to reach someone, either time of day, device, um, location, etc. I mean, Meta alone has multiple platforms. So where does Kimberly Blimston spend most of her time within Meta's platform? And so the IP for them is really kind of the, the analytics that they run in order to get answers to those questions.
1: So I'd like to jump in here, Kimberly, if I could a little bit. Um, you know, you talked about the complexity in the ad tech ecosystem. Obviously there is this impending identity crisis with the cookie going away. Um, you alluded to the bunch of alternatives that you have. Of course, LiveRamp has Ramp ID, uh, you know, trade Desk has UID too. Uh, there are a bunch of different solutions so do you think advertisers uh you know want different solutions do you think they would prefer a single stop shop i mean how are we going to be able to um you know obviously the 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 ecosystem is extremely complex do you think multiple solutions could kind of coexist and thrive
2: great question and that's exactly our strategy from a product perspective which is that uh, marketers need choice and and certainly platforms and publishers also do so. And so the way that we've built our cookie-less infrastructure, which we call the Authenticated Traffic Solution or ATS, is to enable interoperability so that partner identifiers can um, be kind of co-located in that infrastructure. And it helps both the marketer and the platform to reach the necessary scale and so, embedded within our solution is uh, things like Trade Desk UID 2.0 that you mentioned, or um, Publicis Core ID, or the the Google Display and Video 360 pair. And so, all of these things are are kind of embedded within our infrastructure to enable choice and to reduce the complexity that we're hearing from you know Fortune, you know Fortune 500 global retailers and businesses. They can't afford to bifurcate their um, kind of uh, flows and data processing, and it's too complex for them, particularly with the fact that the cookie announcement has come a couple of times before, and they're not 100% sure when it will actually happen. Though, of course, we're all hearing that it's gonna be in in 2024.
1: Got it, that's that's a great answer. You know, so um, if I could just ask a little bit, I mean, you mentioned this a little bit at the outset about Clean rooms, I mean, if you could tell us exactly how clean rooms work, you're obviously making a huge difference by providing these clean rooms, uh, especially to retailers to kind of monetize their data, uh, You know, providing them privacy controls, allowing them to maintain complete autonomy. If you could just get into a little bit more detail in terms of how clean rooms work and how is it different from a, you know a typical data management platform?
2: Yeah, great question, because um, when you're at an event such as CAN or Adweek, you're going to hear clean room being dropped, you know, 10 times by 10 different companies. And it's and it's quite confusing. Um, So when we think about clean rooms and how they work, they have core goals and the kind of core core um, philosophy behind it is that you want to collaborate with other ecosystem players be it other retailers, CPGs, um, or even publishers and platforms. But someone in that chain of collaboration sees their data as um, as important to keep safe and private, and hopefully they all do. And in doing that, they don't have inherent trust for one another. And that lack of trust means that you need to have an infrastructure outside of maybe a DMP um, or or even, um, you know, just a data warehouse that enables you to have flexibility on things like permissions and privacy controls. So that instead of sending, for instance, meta sending all of their row level data, they can create views of that data that blocks out certain parameters, certain data elements, or even maybe provides noise within that data set so that you cannot fully um, be able to resolve that and to, their, to their customers. And so it's how do I, uh, the clean room says, how do I enable everyone in this ecosystem at every single node to put in their own controls and ensure that everyone else in that ecosystem obeys by them programmatically. So within the software itself and throughout the entire value chain, not from first, you know, first analytic query, but all the way through to things like activation to downstream platforms. So,
0: uh, Kimberly, uh, let's maybe pivot to who your core customers are. And uh, look, I I think from our perspective, clearly, uh, you know, you're working with marketers as well as uh, ad agencies, are they uh, your customers as well?
2: Yeah, we definitely have um, a few agencies that we work closely with. Havas being a big one that we're working very closely with, and we are the underpinning of um, their their clean room capabilities. Um, but it's beyond that, you know. Certainly, as you mentioned, we work with. Um, Brands and, and and retailers from Sams Club to Dollar General, Walmart, CVS, Albertsons, et cetera. But also platforms, um, particularly in the TV space, like Ampersand, Disney, you know, Dish Media, et cetera. Um, so our our customer set is really wide across various touch points. And the importance of that from an ecosystem perspective is that you need to take the noise and the complexity out of ad tech when you're a marketer whose job is really to figure out how to create the most um, amazing customer or consumer experiences possible. And that's our true goal in our network of, of 900 plus customers.
0: So, um, when it comes to the capabilities, like my sense is all these uh, brands use a different uh, types of platforms, and which is why, I mean, uh, the ad tech space, uh, if you go beyond the metas and the the wall gardens, it's quite fragmented. So uh, Mm -hmm. what do they come to you for in terms of uh, the capabilities? And then uh, maybe if you can address the point about fragmentation, that would be great.
2: Yeah. So LiveRam's kind of core um, um, competency early on um, was was this idea of uh, deterministic um, person-based identity. And that underpins our entire uh, portfolio of products. Um, so enabling a, a customer of those varying layers there from ad agencies to um, marketers and CPGs to even um, platforms is giving them the identity, enterprise identity infrastructure to really identify who their customers are and have that kind of trusted first party relationship with their consumers and customers. So that's like core number one. Customers come to us because they say, I have so many variations and fragments of data about my consumers, my prospects and my customers, and I need to find a way to tie them together because Every one of us is working off of different devices. Most of us have many email addresses and there are also many people in our household and that changes. So having the identity infrastructure to enable um, a company, a customer to really create a view of their customer is, is at the core of what we do. Now, Under that are use cases that we support, is what I would call it. So activation is a big additional um, uh, solution that we offer and was also part of our kind of core beginnings, which is I'm a marketer and I want to reach my consumers across hundreds of different destinations based off of where they spend their time or how I best can reach them. And we enable the ability to take that first-party enterprise ID and connect that to the entirety of the ecosystem, so that they can then leverage that data for their campaigns um, and and have that be targeted. And then and then there's like a you know certainly cross-screen measurement or the ability to really measure your results. Um, across TV, across social, across varying platforms, so that you really put your dollars to best use is a, a core is a core customer ad. And most recently, we're seeing the growth of kind of commerce media or retail media networks, and customers come to us there because they need that um, ecosystem. And in addition to that, they want to have all those privacy controls and collaboration capabilities. That are safe for everyone within that structure
0: got it and uh so uh is there a particular ad format that, where you have an edge versus your competitors given my point about the fragmentation
2: yeah um certainly to uh i would say it sits across multiple areas so on the you know converging tv space Um, the edge is really uh, sitting in that ecosystem play to enable true measurement across various channels, but especially across TV. Um, That's a very difficult um, problem to solve because there's so many important data sets within that flow or within that ecosystem that you need access to. And LiveRamp Um, has secured those data assets from varying channels to enable that measurement. Um, In in the programmatic side, it's really in the varying uh, volume of destinations that we support so that there's more choice um, and there's interoperability of their enterprise ID against those downstream platforms.
1: Got it. Um, so Kimberly, I know we spoke a little bit about cookies. Um, obviously, LiveRamp is going to be a big beneficiary of cookies going away. Uh, but just in terms of the methodology that you've used for your identifiers for for ramp ID, um, that is still dependent on cookies, isn't it not? I mean, do you still need to have cookies to kind of activate It, it, it ha- has that dependence reduced? Or is there some kind of a workaround?
2: Yeah, that dependence has reduced um, quite significantly because we've already seen tremendous signal losses I mentioned early on. I mean, with, uh, you know, mobile identifiers and all the other, um, you know, core, core, you know, Internet Explorer solutions like Safari and Firefox Mm -hmm. and Edge not already having cookies, we have been able to reach scale um, across publishers, and then we've seen wide usage across the brand space. And the, the like capabilities behind that um, are really that we have um, many um, ramp IDs, so many individuals, many people within our, our identity graph And we connect that individual to their cookies or their maids or even their Facebook ID or um, their TikTok ID or their Pinterest ID. And so we have the ability to, to make those unique connection points in a way that still enables the end marketer to get scale. And then ATS as a kind of this core identity infrastructure that is leveraged by these publishers um, is incredibly important because it's enabling kind of this customer centric value exchange where they'll share their data, but they get in back from that valuable experiences. So like each of us already log into the New York Times or various publishers across the web. It's very difficult to... Even surf, you know, the web and look at products that you want to buy without it being behind, uh, you know, an email, an email get. And so we're already seeing a lot of the Internet um, being authenticated. And we believe that that will grow significantly um, as Google pair is launched and the and the cookies are deprecated.
0: Got it. Okay, so uh, maybe a, if I can pivot to Gen.ai, because these days we don't record a podcast episode without a Gen.ai question. So that is my favorite. Um, h- how do you think that will uh, disrupt the programmatic ad industry? And uh, if you're using it in some way, would love to hear that.
2: Yeah, such a great question. I mean, the way that I think about generative AI starts with this kind of foundational belief system um, that AI, um, you know, like it or not, is really dependent on data that has been captured um, to then predict future outcomes based off of that data. And data is changing so much. I mean, think about Think about when um, kind of COVID hit and the volume of people that started buying bicycles. That was a booming industry, larger than anything ever before. And if we were to use that data to predict, you know, bicycle sales this year or next year, it would be sorely mistaken. So the way I think about kind of the ad tech world or any company identifying how best to use generative AI, it really comes down to ensuring that you have a really trusted team to look for biases in the data um, that could be incorrect predictors based off of known things like COVID or incorrect predictors based off of input data sets, like only having access to data sets within a specific global region, which does not um, match the global company's kind of goal. So for LiveRamp, we're looking at kind of three things that we really want to um, support and are looking to move forward on. The first is um, ensuring that um, as customers start to leverage generative AI, they get clear, uh, transparent views into what is predicted versus what is determined from the data set. And so transparency on that being incredibly key. And so we have our head of uh, product design sitting within our AI working team, thinking about and identifying and pushing for that level of transparency for the end user um, as, as, as test number one. So that's kind of big and key for us. The second is using generative AI and AI in general um, to really um, help eliminate noise and point out false data. So every company has had a CRM at some point, and the old adage there is garbage in, garbage out. So, what we're exploring is how could you use generative AI to give you better signals of your data that is noise and not, not indicative of kind of who your customers are. And then the final area where we're really focused on is AI in AI is, is around identity infrastructure. I know we've talked a lot of, a lot about it, but you know, think again of that problem where in a household, um, most tablets are shared, most kind of uh, you know, connected TV devices are shared. And and with that, um, you need to figure out who's the like buyer and what you're trying to sell so that you don't target a child accidentally for something. And so we're starting to leverage AI in general to create additional, signals and additional capabilities yeah. for
0: customers got it so last five minutes uh, kimberly and we try to uh, you know have a lightning uh, rapid fire round where we uh, i'll ask you you know a few questions and you can keep your answers brief so uh for, first one on the drivers for the ad tech industry if you had to rank the uh, top drivers what would they be
2: uh first of all you, you clearly know I can't be brief, but I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, measurement is a big driver um, and uh, enabling um, advertisers to, to measure things is really impacting their focus on how they spend their dollars. Um, having close attention to signal loss is, uh, is a massive focus area for marketers uh, in particular because they want to ensure that they have a you know, future focus to reach their customers. Um, and then the last I would say is Convergent TV and really ensuring that they're reaching customers in linear and CTV um, because that's where we're all spending a lot of our time these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ad, ad blockers and uh, just this whole kind of notion of privacy, is that a, a big headwind or a small headwind?
2: I think it's a decent sized headwind. I would think that anyone who says otherwise is fooling themselves. Um, You know, I don't, I don't know of any company that has yet to figure out how to, um, you know, fully solve for the fact that Apple now supports spoofed emails anytime uh, you're on your iPhone and you're, you're logging into a solution. And so there's a lot of different unique ways that kind of, Ad blockers are happening. Um, that is really high up the chain, and I do think that there's, um, you know, challenges to be to be faced both technically and and otherwise.
0: Yeah. What is one technology or trend that you are most excited about over the next two years?
2: Uh, I would say commerce media. I feel like commerce media is this like massive opportunity um, for for. Retailers that are wanting to, you know, create value on their data sets um, to create better experiences for us as consumers, and I think that that's going to be a continual growing trend.
0: Yeah. What is the most important metric of your business success?
2: Ooh. Um, I think if I were to try to boil it down, I would say customer lifetime value. Like, you know, the more the customer. Um, stays with LiveRamp, the more products and capabilities they make usage of, um, the more we know that they are getting end-to-end value out of our vast set of capabilities. What could
0: go wrong with the assumptions that you're making about your business?
2: I think if clean rooms um, themselves do not like continue to be very confusing for companies that are trying to make choices, And we can't help be a strategic advisor and reduce the noise. This will have a massive impact to our ability to grow and scale for net new use cases.
0: Got it. And lastly, any misconceptions about LiveRamp that you want to clear on this podcast?
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest one is that, um, you know, we have an enterprise ID solution um, that customers can leverage, which is um, colloquially known as Ramp ID, Um, But that is a customer's ID, and that is not directly competitive with things like the Trade Desk UID. In fact, LiveRamp helps support UID 2.0 with our ATS solution. So I think that there's just misconception and confusion around how to think about identity, both from an enterprise level, but also from a connections point.
0: Great, Kimberly. It's been uh, great having you on this podcast. Really enjoyed the insights you had and uh, all the best for the future.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate having me.